welcome back to the second half of this conversation about scarves on January 19th, 2020. Hi, I'm Sherry. And I'm Tamara. Thank you for listening to Geminit, a podcast about knitting, spinning, dyeing, and other crafts in mid-America. Today, we're continuing our conversation about scarves, and we're going to talk about knitting scarves and weaving scarves, and we're definitely going to talk about how to keep them from not curling, because that's that's something that I always have trouble with. Do you want me to start? Yeah, why don't you go ahead? Okay. So I've been trying to keep scarves from curling for a long time, like before when I was knitting, before I was designing. It's cold in here. We're inside, but I've actually put on a scarf to record. I was going to show you this one, so I hope you can see it now that it's wrapped around my neck. Um, this is one of the first scarves I ever knit, and it's out of scraps of yarn that I really liked, and all I did was stockinette stitch. And of course, it curled like crazy, right? Uh So then, you know, I was looking into it and I read somewhere and they said, if you drop down every fourth row or so and turn that into, just drop it, Uh then that would keep it from curling. I thought, well, I can do that. I don't have to re-knit the whole thing. And so I went and I dropped down every fourth row and you can see now it's got kind of the texture where it's been dropped all the way. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not stocking net. That looks like a rib. Right. So that's not purled, that's just dropped? Yeah, that was just dropped. And so then it still curled. And Uh I thought, well, I still don't want to re-knit it. I went to all the work and I was using up scraps of yarn. And so I had fleece in the, I don't sew very often at all. I don't like doing it, but I had some fleece for some reason or another. And I thought I'm going to line it with fleece because Uh there is no way it can curl once I have fleece on it. And so I did that and it's warm, but my actual skill at using needle and thread or the sewing machine is very low. Somebody that knew what they were doing would have done a much better job at it. But I did keep this. I did salvage this scarf. It looks so cool. When you flip it over and you point at it, I do see that the sewing the fleece on is a bit primitive. But if you had not pointed it out, I would never have noticed. And the scarf on the outside, because it has the drop stitch that looks like a pearl stitch, has interest to it, and the fleece is just so cool. So I'm glad you were able to salvage this scarf. That is really great. And it's all the colors that I love, right? Uh-huh. And I did, and you know, early on, I didn't have a ton of time. So once I had finished a project, I really didn't want to rip it out. Uh-huh. Now I don't mind. I've got more time, and I want things to be perfect, right? But back then, not so much, and this saved it. So that is one option. And then when I started designing, one of the first things I designed was a scarf. And you can see, I brought a sample of it. And you can see that sometimes it really matters what kind of material you use to make your scarf. Because in this picture, you can see I don't have that version of the scarf anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened to it. But it's made out of a wool and a silk blend. And you can see it's not curling at all. It's the exact same scarf as the one that I'm holding in my hand. It's flat and it's drapey and it's pretty. Whereas the one that I'm holding in my hand actually is curling a little bit. It's not been blocked, that would help. That's another thing that makes a pretty big difference. But it does make a pretty big difference what kind of material, what kind of yarn you use. And this scarf is a lace scarf. It's not super lacy. It has some yarn overs, but it looks like candle flames or leaves. There's plenty of solid stitches in it and it's your amy pond scarf right yeah it's the vincent and amy pond scarf and And it's a free pattern on ravelry it is and it's fun and it's long you can make it as long as you want i enjoy wearing it but when i did re-knit it this is a sock yarn so it is a wool and acrylic blend i there's a definite difference in the the amount of curl that you get so the wool silk blend held the block but the sock yarn with the wool acrylic or wool nylon is trying to curl up on itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's one thing that I found. And then, so then after that, I started paying more attention to how, how do I keep things from just curling to begin with? And I've had several different scarf patterns where, you know, you start with an idea and then you add things to it. So like, here's my Grand Canyon scarf. And, you know, it's got the center, it's got the cable in the center, and it's, uh, the, it's not actually cable. It's, uh, it's made with yarn overs and SSKs and K- oh, K2 togethers. Nice. It looks like a river snaking back and forth mm-hmm. on a river stockinette, and that's beautiful. But if you make a scarf that's just that, it curls, right? Right. So then I thought, I'm going to add to the outside, I added some texture, and I decided I would do a seed stitch, which is you alternate every other row. Mm-hmm. So knit one, purl one, and then the next row above it, you would purl into the knit stitch and 
knit into the purl stitch, right? Uh-huh. And I added that. So then you've got the river in the center and you've got the texture on the outside. Still curls. Uh-huh. And at that point, I started playing around with garter stitch because garter stitch never curls, but I don't actually like it as a design element in a lot of things. I know a lot of people do. It's beautiful. It's fun to knit, but I don't actually like it. I, I like the, the look of stockinette better. Uh-huh. So when I'm designing something, I try not to put straight garter stitch in a design. And that means that here I was playing with how many rows can I do just knits and how many rows can I do just purls before it starts to curl again. And I managed to get a repeat. Um, you can see a repeat is about here. Yes. I managed to get a repeat where there's a few rows of knit and a few rows of purl and then shorter bits and then longer bits. And it's got texture. It's got interest. It actually looks a little bit like the sedimentary rocks in the Grand Canyon, which is how I ended up keeping this repeat. Mm -hmm. And that keeps the scarf from curling. That is a beautiful scarf. I've seen photos of it online and it was pretty. I sort of passed over it because it was a scarf. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, they're either boring or fiddly to make. And it's orange, which is one of my least favorite colors. Anyway, I just passed it over. But seeing it in person, it is beautiful. Oh, thank you. The Malabrigo just glows. And I can see that there's enough going on for it to be interesting. And the cabling is not actually passing the stitches over it's, you said, knit two togethers and slip and slip SSKs, knits. yeah. I would totally do that. I love cables, but they slow me down enough that I don't do large projects with cables. So hats are okay. Something on the front of a sweater, okay. But a scarf, I would just discard a cable scarf out of hand because of the manipulating the stitches. But if I'm not manipulating with anything but my needle, mm -hmm. that is now on my to knit list because oh. that is gorgeous. Thank you. I love this yarn. It's Malabrigo Rios um, and the color is sunset. It is uh -huh. it is an orange. It's like, a. it's one of my colors. I love it. Oh yeah. It's wide enough that you really do have to worry about it curling. So it took quite a bit of thought to get to this point, you know, because you start with the bit in the center because that's that's the idea. That's where you're building from. And then you add the texture to the outsides and it still curls. And so you go back to the drawing board, but adding enough, it's not garter stitch, but it's enough almost welts, uh -huh. of, you know, knit and purl. And it, it's enough to keep it flat. Okay. So that's one thing I learned. I'm requesting a matching hat pattern. I'm putting <laughs> it out there now. <laughs> I will start thinking through that. <laughs> I'm sure you have your own plans. But that is so nice. Well, thank you. You have such a pile there. What's next? Okay, so here's another one of mine. I just said so. I that's wouldn't have okay. noticed it unless you had said <laughs> it. it out. <laughs> this one is the widest scarf, and this one is one, I think maybe we talked about it just a little bit when the we were talking about the treasure, uh -huh. treasure goddess yarns, because it's made out of that. Again, I started with the basic idea. I liked the idea of treasure goddess, goddess and I like the idea of priority stuff, and why does the actually name, uh, actually the name of a ship? And So I started with the very center medallion, and the coins. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them uh, on some reverse stockinette because when you're knitting back and forth on a scarf, it doesn't matter if it's reverse stockinette, you're not knitting pearl every row, mm -hmm. right? And I wanted the texture on the outside and every bit of this curled, right? Uh huh. The center curled in because there's the reverse stockinette. So then like the, there's a medallion in the very center and then there's a little bit of reverse stockinette and then there's a coin on the outside of the medallion going up the length of it. And then on the outside of that, I've added another bit of texture that I'll talk about in a little bit that mm -hmm. keeps the whole thing from curling. And then on the outside of it, it's the moss stitch. So now instead of seed stitch, it's a little different. It's um, two rows of knit and then two rows of purl. Moss stitch or rice stitch, I think the names are interchangeable. That is my favorite texture stitch of all time. I think I'm going to knit a sweater that's all over that stitch with maybe just a single humongo cable down the center. Wow. But, uh -huh. but that is, that's not scarves, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't like it all that much. I have uh -huh. to do it in small quantities, which is why on the edging of a project it's fine for me, but a whole project out of it, I think I would not like. I just love the way it looks. It does look very and nice. And it's not particularly difficult, but it's mostly the way it looks. It just gives such a beautiful texture. Again, you know, it. I started uh, outside of the medallion and the coins. 
If I would have just made this section garter stitch, which is fine, it's just a tiny little bit of the scarf, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have curled, but I didn't like it. So instead I figured out how to do knits and pearls in, in a repeat. And I don't have the pattern sitting in front of me. It's, I have enough patterns out there that I'm having a hard time remembering exactly. But looking at it, it looks like all I did was two rows of knit, two rows of pearl, two mm -hmm. rows of knit, two rows of pearl. And that was enough to keep it from curling. Mm -hmm. The one we talked about just a little bit ago, the, the texture that I added on the outside of the Grand Canyon scarf was more involved. Like it was like a 16 row repeat. Mm -hmm. This is just four, four mm -hmm. rows, two and two. And even that was enough to keep it from curling. So I thought that was an interesting bit. And then, you know, ribbing never curls. So that's another option. And a lot of times for my more complicated scarves, I will do ribbing at the center back of the neck. And I did that here and I just left the moss stitch on the outside of it. And so ribbing doesn't curl and moss stitch doesn't curl. Mm -hmm. So those are other options to do. And then the next one that I've played with a little bit was I wanted to do a lace scarf. And this is a Mallorbrigo Arroyo. So it's a really bright, Fuchsia, I think Fuchsia, was the name yeah. of the yarn, but it's a really bright, pretty pink that w that I enjoy wearing. It matches almost nothing in my wardrobe unless I'm wearing black. Uh huh. <laughs> I wanted to have some lace. I thought it would be really great with this yarn, and you don't have to go very far into a lace repeat before it starts to curl. Uh huh. I played with that, and I alternated a section of lace that's just the lace. And then a, a section of welts that is a repeat of knits and pearls. And I, I went as long as I could on the lace with no texture on the outside of it, just the slip stitch along oh, yeah. the outside you of it. Oh, yeah. You don't have any edging there. At all. And so I went as long as I could on the lace before it would start curling. And this took some trial and error. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then I put welts for a length. Mm -hmm. And then I went back and I did, the, I did it again. So I went and I kept that repeat. So once you've done the lace and you've done the welt, you just do that through the rest of the scarf and you end at lace on the other end so that you've got matching ends. Mm -hmm. um, and that was enough to keep it from curling even without the edges on the outside because I'm alternating between lace and welts. And you have the matching end. So this is where you figured out to write the lace upside down so that the two ends match, right? Yeah, the two ends match. Or is the lace the same either direction? I can't remember. It's okay. been a while since I've written this pattern. It doesn't matter. They match. So whether <laughs> it's a, a non-directional lace or if you rewrote it, that looks really good. That's another beautiful pattern. Okay. What was the name of it again? This one I named Amaranth. Okay. A the Amaranth scarf because the lace looks like Amaranth blooms to me and the okay. color actually looks like Amaranth blooms to me. Um, and I had just been reading about the some of the future 50 foods, foods to eat to kind of help protect the world and reserve conserve resources. In the pattern, I actually add a link to the future 50 foods because there's other foods in there that I think are interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that's another beautiful scarf. And is that all of them? That's all the ones I brought, yeah. When it comes to knitting scarves and not curling, I am a big fan of the one-by-one one rib that I learned in the Noro scarf because when it scrunches up on itself, it looks like stockinette. Mm -hmm. It's just as twice as thick. I wouldn't knit that in a solid color yarn because it'd be boring, but in Noro stripes, it's endlessly fascinating because you're watching two different colors, the stripe sequences change on you. And then the Picker's Delight I did is another rib. It has a special name that I don't know, but it doesn't curl because it it's a fancy rib, like English rib is what I think it's called. It almost looks like mistake rib to me, but I don't know that it... It has more a corrugated cardboard effect to it than mm -hmm. a mistake rib does. Yeah. And the, the, the last thing, the dropping down the stitches so it didn't doesn't curl. The clapoutis, mm -hmm. that's the reason it doesn't curl. But I think... I'm not sure what the difference is in between that and yours. I know that mine, when I dropped it down, there's big gaps of the yarn over holes, mm -hmm. like big. So it's a stripe of the solid knit panels with an equally wide stripe of the yarn over. Um, not yarn overs, but the, the, the drop, drop stitch. Yeah, so they really pull apart. And because of that, 
bunches up beautifully around my neck because it compresses down into this tiny little thing, but then the ends flare out as I wear it. And I do think it does still curl. I just made it so wide that it doesn't matter because it is written as a humongous stole pattern. Mm-hmm. But I wear it as a scarf. I think it must sort of curl into a scarf that's about as wide as what you're wearing, even though I can mm-hmm. open it up this wide. And I'm just miming here like Pictionary because it is missing. I've, I'm going to have to make another one if that doesn't show up soon because that is my favorite scarf to wear in the wintertime. Yeah, I hope you find it. I'm going to talk about weaving scarves now because weaving scarves, as a rule, do not curl. However... There is the problem if you make them too wide. You have a small loom and you feel like it's so small that you should use all of it. And this was done on a 15 inch loom and the take up and then the washing it, it is only 12 inches wide. However, that is still so wide that I have to fold it in half to wear it. I really think for a man's scarf, about eight inches is all that you need, maybe 10. Mm-hmm. Now, folding it in half is fine, but I don't like the way it looks on me so much when it is folded. I like woven scarves the best when they're just laying flat. You could do that European uh, tie that you just showed me, mm-hmm. or the, where you just fold it around your neck and zip your coat up over it. This was done on a table loom, but you can do the same thing on a rigid heddle loom. This was done with only two shafts. It's stripes going vertically and going horizontally, which are made by manipulating when the color is done. So I threaded the loom doing um, one, two, one, two, one, two of white and gray. Mm -hmm. And then I got to the... So that is for the horizontal stripes. And then for the vertical stripes, I did two, one, two, one, two, one, and then back to one, two, one, two, one, two, two, one, two, one, two, one. And um, then to weave it, all I had to do was alternate the white and gray shuttles in the warp. Mm -hmm. Now that was super easy, but did have a lot of manipulation. I also like doing a plain weave with a variegated warp and a solid color weft. Mm -hmm. And that is perfect for those hand-dyed sock yarns, a nice variegated warp. And then if you do a variegated weft too, it comes out as a crazy plaid, Mm -hmm. but it can be more subtle with a solid color weft. What I did on the end is they can just be fringed, But instead, I zigzagged the end, and then I put a facing on it. And I don't sew either, but this was super simple. I took some flannel in a matching color, and I laid the, I folded over the edge of the flannel, and I sewed it down, and then I flipped it over and folded again, and then ironed it, and then I whip stitched it by hand. And it was super easy and it looks really professionally finished and it was no harder or any longer than any of the finishing that we do in knitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really nice. Although I think I know why I don't like sewing. When you were naming off all of the steps, I stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe it's the steps, but you're right. It looks very nice. And you know, any kind of finishing is can be involved. Yeah. I gotta say, it probably took me 20 minutes per end, which is a long time, but actually so much faster than knitting. On the weaving, it's something different, it's fun, and it is so fast. I can have a scarf finished in an easy weekend, measure out the warp Friday night after work, warp up the loom Saturday, that's the longest, most boring part, but thankfully, I don't mind warping up my loom because that's why I still have all the excitement about the new project. Mm -hmm. And then the weaving happens and I will lose interest in the weaving about a foot in and a nice scarf is maybe six foot long. However, at, I was going to say a foot an hour, but that seems slow. I think it's faster than that. I bet it is faster. I bet it's faster than that. So fast that you can power through it Mm -hmm. and get it done. 
And it's only on the very complicated patterns like overshot that I can't really make it past a foot. But that's fine because you can just do an edge with the pretty pattern, um, switch over to plain weave for the body of the scarf, sure. put the pretty edge on back at the bottom again, and it just comes uh, right off. Yeah. And yeah, I am completely wrong about the time frame because the weaving of a um, kitchen towel from start to finish after the loom is warped is an hour. And that is definitely longer than a foot because you hang it over, you hang mm -hmm. it over yeah, your... You and I, you know, I would think a scarf is probably not much more than five or six kitchen towels by the I time. I would think three. Three. Uh, I yeah. like them long. Yeah, this is still... Okay. We're talking three to four hours of weaving, uh, 40 minutes of finishing. We're not going to time the warping because I don't want to lose a portion of my soul thinking about it. Right. That's um, actually, I was thinking, I've never woven a scarf. It's a, actually a wonderful idea because you only have to do the warp across however wide you want your scarf, right. 8, 10, 12, right. maybe 14 inches, but that's like the right. outside limit. And a warp at that size does not sound as soul-sucking as a 36-inch blanket, which I have woven. Exactly. And I've never done an 8-inch scarf, but I need to on the loom because, like I said, I've always felt like I needed to use up all of the real estate of my loom. I usually make them 15 to 20 inches, and they're always too wide. Mm -hmm. Also, on the loom... You think, okay, I'm warping this. I might as well make it longer so I only have to go through it once. So I usually warp it up for three scarves at a time. Mm. And then you can have the same variegated warp but do different colored wefts for the three scarves. And then Christmas is taken care of for all the men in your family. Just boom, three sure. off at once. And that's maybe a month's work of weekends, but it's still so much faster than knitting. And it's very satisfying in its own way. I think if you've got if you've got your I haven't done this for a long time. It's the weft that goes back and forth in the shuttle, right? Yes. And if all you're doing is tossing the same shuttle, you're not switching colors or anything mm -hmm. back and forth. You know, you do you go across, you pull the you pull the beater, you do a go across, you pull the beater. It is so meditative. Yes. It is very relaxing and enjoyable. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, meditative in the same way that knitting stockinette is. It's just that you have a finished item so much faster. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the fabric is just perfect for scarves. I'm actually inspired to maybe uh, dust off my table loom and get another scarf on it because I haven't this is my very last woven scarf that I own. All the others have been slowly lost over time or given away. Mm -hmm. And that one, the yarn happens to be a little bit itchy because I was new. I didn't quite yet know about what I could and could not wear around my neck. Right. Yeah. You said it was alpaca, right? Yes. Yeah. And feel it. It's not even one of those soft, luscious apalcas. It's a very silky. Mm -hmm. It's very solid. It's nice. Uh -huh. And that solidness is my choice of the weaving. Mm -hmm. It's like using a smaller needle. I used a smaller uh, reed. It is a very solid scarf rather than uh, a loose one. But I like that in a fabric, especially for a winter fabric. And the drape of it, because it's alpaca, drapes beautifully. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, it's pretty. It does have a nice... But what I, to it. what I need is a wool silk blend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yes. sounds beautiful. And, you know, you're always looking for a way to use up sock yarn. I like the idea of using sock yarn. Sock yarn would be perfect for it. Mm -hmm. Well, it might not have silk in it, depending. But Yes, you can get sock yarn with silk on it. I would not have any in my stash right now. Mm -hmm. But I do think I might have some DK weight, and I have not woven anything that heavy. That would be fun to try. I yeah. definitely have reeds fat enough for it because I've collected every reed known to mankind. Hmm. Yep, still don't have a loom. I'm still okay with it, but the longer we talk about it, we'll see. I think that's it. We've talked about a little bit about weaving. Actually, I am going to do just a little bit more. So far, all of the weaving I've talked about with the um, has just been using two heddles, which would make it super easy to do on a rigid huddle loom. However, there are tons of books out there for four harness looms that have different designs, you know, the how you do the different designs. Mm -hmm. And it's really fun to do scarf samplers out of those. Oh, that would be fun. And then my favorite thing to do, this is not a sampler, 
is a lot of those designs have an op art effect where you use black and white. You could use two, two any colors, but I use black and white, and it gets a very striking op art where it actually sort of hurts your eyes to look at it. Yeah. And those are my favorite. And to get that in knitting, you have to do double knitting, which is nice, but um, you can just crank those op art designs out in the same weekend weaving. All it takes is a little bit of counting with your two different colors because it'll be black and white, whether you know it's alternating one one or three whites and then a black. That is super fun. And I've always been very pleased with the scarves I've made with those effects. Mm-hmm. And I've given them all away. I don't own any of them anymore because they make such wonderful gifts. Yeah. Well, and if it's a sampler, if you're changing it up, you'd even have less of a chance of getting tired of it because yes. you, know, you could just change the next sample when you're tired of whatever you're doing. Yes. Okay. Next up is... Well, I have mulligans written down. Okay. Do you want to go first? Um, sure. I have I have one to actually show you, and then I have two that are just uh, real quick. I can talk about them. One is I made a huge tactical error. I went to the DMV for the older boy because he's ready to switch over from being partly restricted on his driver's license to the next step up. And you can do that without him physically being there. So I could do it during the school day. I was in between errands, and I just said, okay, I'll do it. I forgot to take any knitting. Oh, no. (laughs) So I was sitting at the DMV for like an hour and a half with no knitting, which is a surefire way to make me less than pleasant. (laughs) That is a tactical error that you don't want to do over. Right. Yeah, so hopefully I will not do that again. That was was my first mistake this time. Um, The other one that I was just going to tell you about quickly, I didn't bring it to show you. I really love how that top-down layering tunic is is starting to look. Uh Uh-huh. But the yarn I picked for it has been discontinued, as far as I can tell, and I try really hard not to design... Uh, not to release new designs out of yarn that has been discontinued. Uh-huh. I have stopped working on that. It's sitting on my on my shelf, and I keep staring at it. I may go ahead and finish just a piece for me to wear out of that yarn with this pattern, mm-hmm. but I'm rethinking the pattern because I don't want to release it with a with a uh, yarn that's been discontinued. Which so that yarn? was number two. It was the Valley Yarns Colrain, the 50% oh, okay, merino, yeah. 50% tinsel, and it's that really pretty burgundy color, and I like the drape of it, and I went online to look, and it shows as a closeout. So I'll keep watching. Maybe maybe they're just changing out their colors. You never know, but if the, I feel like, I'm with you, I feel like it's discontinued. That yarn, when I knit with it, reminded me of Barocco Vintage. Nicer. Mm but reminded me of it. So if you get the same gauge, because I understand the business reason of not wanting to release a brand new pattern with a discontinued yarn. Yeah. However, when you get to the sample knitting and taking photographs of it, okay, so yes, you would have to have two, but then you would finally have a sweater (laughs) that you could wear, and then you would need to knit a second sweater actually using the yarn. Yeah. You could make the second sweater Mona-sized. I could. Yeah, I'll think through it. But right now it's sitting in timeout because yeah. I'm disappointed. Because it's naughty. And I'm discouraged, it's... yeah. <laughs> that gets into the whole thing. I'm always so disappointed when yarn is discontinued. And board games, what yeah. is it? Why do they not just print these things forever? But okay, I guess new stuff has to keep on coming out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so those are my two I was just going to talk about real quick. And then I actually brought this one to show you. Mentioned earlier that I'm started on the second piece in that Malachite How series. How much of that yarn did you buy? I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus it's fingering weight, so it goes really far. Uh-huh. Like I had enough, I could definitely made a sweater out of it, but I chose not to. I enjoy knitting with it, so I'll think about that again at some point. But anyways, I was going to make a second shawl. And I can't figure out how to make it do what I want it to do. So I have switched over and I'm making a cowl instead. Okay. But I mentioned earlier, I don't really like garter stitch. It's fine. It's beautiful, but I don't want to design in it. For my second shawl, I wanted it to be triangular and I wanted it to be stockinette. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how hard can that be? I'll Mm -hmm. just go find a triangle. I'll just go learn how to do that, right? Well, first off, None of the triangle patterns that I was looking for, where you start in the corner and you increase on one side and decrease on the other so that you slowly Mm -hmm. grow it into a triangle. And then at the very end, you cast off and that makes, I mean, you've slowly been growing your 
two sides of your triangle and then at the end when you cast off that makes your third side yes right i went looking and i found zero patterns that are made out of with stockinette uh-huh. out of that and i thought well i'll just figure it out it turns out there's no patterns that are written with stockinette because I don't see a way to keep it from curling. Like if I stop, if I stop. <laughs> That's a corkscrew. <laughs> if I stop holding it for you to see the shape, it curls up like crazy. It's not just curl. That is a corkscrew. That is awesome. Okay. So first off, the tip corkscrewing, that could be a for real design element. It could, but... People need to make hat toppers like that. Maybe something. I don't know. So then I thought, well, maybe it's just the yarn. Like, I'll go get uh-huh. something. It's a different yarn, right? So I went and got something that's got, it's not just 100% wool. It's got some, it's got some nylon in it. And I thought, so, so, and I, that one that you're holding has not been blocked. And so maybe that would make a difference too. It hasn't been washed and blocked, but it's not going to make enough of a difference because I made another one out of a yarn that's got better drape and it has been washed and blocked. And it still curls up like crazy. Like it's still... Not as much. Okay, so first off, definitely do not use a single because the singles have unbalanced twists and they want to curl anyway. So maybe if I pick something that's got a really tight ply, I could try again? Not for this one because this one I've given up and I'm happy with the direction I'm going now. Not a tight ply, but a balanced ply. Balanced. It needs to... It needs to have just a nice ply, but not a super, super bouncy ply. Mm. So that's the first thing. Then the next thing is, obviously for the tip, you are going to need, you're going to need to do the tip in a pattern. Ribbing, seed stitch, something that you like. But once you get up to here, because these are tiny, tiny little swatches. Right. And even your swatches, you like have a stripe pattern in it. Well, and that's actually the vehicle braid because I was look, I was finding a way to put the vehicle braid in here to make it look like the banding that I was using on the other design. Mm-hmm. And so I used that braid in a line to make it go, to give it the banding effect, and that works. I'm, I've learned something, so that's good. But it's not enough. But in the part that it's in, it is enough. So you need this for first four inches needs a texture, something to keep it from curling. And then after that, you're going to be able to do the stocking net because it doesn't curl here. It does roll up like mm-hmm. a hat brim, but it's not curling here. And what are you doing at the edges? I don't see a yarn over before your knit two together edging thingy. I was I was looking at um, just different ideas, so I haven't done the same thing on both of them, and I honestly don't remember at this point okay. because I gave up on this idea and decided to switch over to the cowl. Okay, but the edge itself curls in a way that makes an edge, mm-hmm. so that is fine. And I wonder if just uh, next to the third stitch, have it be a pearl? I don't think so. I think I've given up completely on okay. this idea because even talking about putting the texture in the corner, I can't really imagine how I would get that in a way that I kind of goes along with what I was imagining. Garter so, stitch. Suck yeah, it up I and know. do four <laughs> inches of garter stitch on either corner. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why. Yeah, there's a reason used. why there. I could not find any examples. So now I know. But, but that was my main mulligan. So. Ribbing, seed stitch. You could, if you choose to. I think you can make it so the big body of the shawl is in stocking net. But yeah, you're obviously the four inches at either end is going to need um, texture of some sort. Yeah. And now you know why there aren't any out there. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. (laughs) I have just designed one of those, but mine is in garter stitch and lace because that's what I like. Uh But I'm doing the increases farther out because I wanted a super pointy end on one side and a long scarf in the middle and just a wider one on the other side, but so that it's not the triangle. You know, it's still a scarf. Mm-hmm. It's just asymmetrical. So uh, it's uh, a point on one side. or scarf? No, it'll be a scarf okay. because it's going to be a point on one side and maybe 15 inches on the other side uh-huh. and then hang from knee to knee. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if it was the math that's out there is to actually make a triangle so you have a point maybe not exactly in the center of your back but my point's going to be at the end you know instead of being in the center 
my point is uh -huh. going to be at the end. So it's still a triangle, but it's not balanced. It's a uh, um, asymmetric. Yes, and it has another word too, where every side is a different length. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of it either. Gosh, my teenagers would know. I put it on Instagram when I first put it up because I started it last July. I never finished it though, mm -hmm. nor wrote anything down. So let's see when I get back to it if I'll have <laughs> any idea what I am doing. And the answer to that is no, no, I won't. Oh, yeah, it would be a no for me. I have to have stuff written down or I can't remember. I can't even remember. Like I was doing these samples to try to, that I was showing you a couple of weeks ago and I still can't remember what that was. I gotta have it written down or it just goes away. Yes, I still think I'm gonna remember it, but I, don't. If it's set down for more than uh, two days, the information is pushed out by other stuff. Yeah. Well, my mulligan is my first hat of 2020. Since I had finished this cowl and I knew I'd already picked out this yarn as being a good color match for it, I knew I wanted to knit it. And I picked out the Thistle Cap by Liz Abinate, and it is a beautiful, I'm going to call it a basket weave cable. So you're manipulating one stitch over three, mm -hmm. so it has a nice elongated, and like all of these stitches go to the right, and then all of those stitches go to the left, and they sort of, this gives a basket weave effect, and mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And I did two repeats of that, and it was completely invisible. The shine of this yarn, which I thought would, would make a cable pop, completely ate up any right. texture. Also, the yarn is um, very, very poofy. It's loosely plied, very poofy. So the texture of the loose plies also ate up the texture of the cable so it didn't show. Okay, fine. Then I picked a different pattern called Latubi by Meiju KP, and it is a plain hat with a very beautiful but very simple single cable in it. Uh -huh. I was like, surely a single two by two cable, and it had two two by two cables side by side where they twisted in opposite directions. So it right. makes the cable look more complicated than it is. And it's still didn't show up. Hmm. And I was like, all right, I ripped that out. I went down a needle size. So I was getting a firmer fabric with less floof in it, although I didn't know that at the time. I went down a needle size because I needed to, I decided that I was going to do a top-down hat where I just kept on knitting to make it folded because we had talked about lined hats and different ways of doing lined hats. And I right. decided to just wing it and try this. And the double pointed needles I had handy was a smaller size. So I went down a needle size and I did the stuff that we learned for top down hats. I went ahead and did the knit front and back, which you can't mm -hmm. see any bumps hardly, can you? <laughs> this yarn just eats up texture, so it doesn't show. I mean, seriously, um, can you see knit front backs? You can see the line where the increases are. I, I actually do see the bumps, but it looks Hardly. it doesn't look bad at all. It looks no, nice. it looks fine. It's also going to be the inside of the hat. Who's ever going to see it? So it's not going to matter. Yeah. But the as a texture design element, if you're like, I want bumps to show. Yeah. No. No. It, it looks really nice the way you've done it. It is, and I didn't do very much math. This is where I was talking about people say doing top-down hats with hand spun works out really good because you can catch your check your gauge as you go and things like that. That actually did truly work out for this hat. Uh -huh. I, I did have to keep on increasing out way farther than I would have because um, I have six wedges. Mm -hmm. And if I had been doing bottom up, I would have done eight wedges without even thinking about it. So it just means it has more of a dome to it. It is working out excellently. So I am very happy with this top-down hat. I went searching on Ravelry and I found a free pattern for what I'm doing. She uses sock yarn, but that is available for people that want to do a top-down lined hat where there's no sewing together, picking up stitches or anything like that. Yeah. And it is called Double Hat by Uti Hapenen. So that's a... Just look up double half and it will be in the show notes. It turned out to be exactly what I am doing, only with thinner yarn. Uh huh. And that is it. It's working out. But um, I really expected to be done with a hat by now. Although this hat, I am going to use all 100 grams. 
And that's the reason why I wanted to do the double hat. Right. So it would just keep on going and going and going. So do you have like your 100 grams separated into two different balls so you know when you get to half or? No, it doesn't matter when I get to half. Mm -hmm. I keep on going until I have this much left and then this much becomes the top. Oh, so you know how much you need for the decreases at the and other I end. I have a guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see how that goes. But I'll just keep on going until I get to the decreases, slap some decreases in, and then I'll find out what size hat I have. <laughs> but I figure all it does is it will make the cuff bigger or smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, because if you're going to tack it anyway, then you can just tack it wherever uh -huh. you want. Right. Yeah. And it will be, I'll wash it and block it all spread out so it will look like a great big hot dog and then after it's dried I will take one end of it pop it into the center tack the increases to the decreases just tie it together where the pom-pom would go mm -hmm. and that's the only place I'm going to tie it down yeah it sounds like fun I'm interested to see how it turns out I am too I like it okay next up is inspiration and fantasies okay you want to go first sure I just pulled out some scarf patterns. First up is the ribbon wrap. So this is a wrap like a stole that you'd maybe wear to the opera, except for I don't do that. And it's such a out of sock yarn, it's fingering weight, so light that I could easily bunch it up around my neck and it is beautiful. It is also all mostly garter stitch within um, they take a gradient, but they work the gradient out of order. So it looks like a satin ribbon mm -hmm. that goes through it. So that means it's worked in several different colors, several different directions, yeah. a lot of garter stitch. I feel like this is something I could finish without getting bored. While there is a gradient set that I am lusting after from Neighborhood Fiber Company, I looked at it online, uh, not online, on Ravelry, on different projects, uh -huh. and it looks like you could just choose any colors that are not gradients that just look pretty together. So it could be um, a scrap buster. Right. It calls for three different colors, like, you know, three different pinks. But I saw somebody, instead of doing three different pinks, they did a green, a brown, and a gray. Mm -hmm. And it was gorgeous. I feel like I should have a stash yarn for this. I'm thinking my brown sheep cotton fleece because I have a whole bunch of partial balls. Right. I'll have to check. I just said it's in fingering weight and that is a light DK. I don't remember if I decided I didn't care and I wanted more blanket-like or if maybe the pattern is not fingering weight after all. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. But that's the that was the first yarn I thought of because I spent a lot of time thinking about whether or not I would be happy with a scarf out of a wool cotton blend mm -hmm. because it's not particularly warm but when you get that much fabric it's just warm for the sake of it being that much fabric right yeah because a lot of commercial sweaters are just made out of cotton to start with uh-huh or acrylic and they're worn just by bulk right next up is the pioneer braid by Catherine ryan it's perfect for long color repeats like noro and it also has knitting going in different directions. The combination of the long color repeats plus the braided effect of the knitting changing directions, that would be something that would keep my attention. And I bet it would be like a potato chip knitting. That it'd be like, ooh, 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 the yellow is turning into orange, the orange is turning <laughs> into pink. I'm going left, I'm going right. I could see myself doing six, feet of that. So that's the problem. I like my scarf so long yeah, I that do too. I run out of oomph unless there is something that is keeping my attention in changing directions is a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. And then that gets me into my last one, which is Oak Park by Laura Eiler. I actually already have this pattern in my library. I don't remember if she had it as a freebie at one point or somebody gifted it to me as a birthday present, but it is a color block cowl or scarf. So right there, the fact that it could be a cowl is a You could stop winner. wherever you wanted. Yeah. I think so. I didn't look at the pattern itself, but it's um, inspired by architecture of Frank Lloyd Wright. It looks like it could be intarsia, but she makes a point of saying that it's not intarsia, that you pick up stitches instead. Mm -hmm. So you knit the garter stitch scarf changing colors. You know, it's, it's bands of um, 
rectangles and then a square and then rectangles and then a big rectangle and then a square. So, you know, so you're changing colors and then you go on and you pick up all the stitches along the edge and then knit the garter stitch out from the scarf. Uh -huh. So that changes directions. That actually sounds rough. So picking up six feet and then knitting that. But at that point, you're getting close to the end. I think I could power through that. Yeah. I looked at the picture when you mentioned it, uh -huh. um, and I don't remember it being that length. I think maybe it was in smaller sections, so I think maybe it would be good. Could be. Uh, most of it was in smaller sections and changing directions, right. and it looked very finishable for me. And it comes with a coloring sheet, so you can pull out your colored pencils or your gel oh, pens yeah, and pre-decide your colors before you get started. Hmm. That was very smart and sounded entertaining, too, some of that adult coloring book goodness right, going right. on. Hmm. And that is all I'm stocking. I would have had the sweater, except for I cast it on immediately, and we already talked about that on the last episode. So just those scarves. What about you? I was thinking on the drive here, it looked very wintry. Mm -hmm. Like all of the trees are bare and it's cold and it looked like it was cold and barren. And so I'm now fantasizing about a next design um, out of bright greens, mm -hmm. like neon, new shoot, new growth greens. And I don't know what it's going to end up being, but that's what I was thinking about on the drive here because I, I need some bright green in my life right now. It is that time of year. So I think that's the end of our fantasy knitting. Okay. Well, then next up is reviews. And we both have knitting bags from Zoe's Bag Boutique out of Lafayette, Colorado. She sells on Etsy. And uh, we both love her bag. So do you want to go first with that? Sure. Um, I actually thought it was Zoe. I guess I don't know how she says it now. Oh, I don't know. I've, we've already established on this podcast that my pronunciation is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. So I don't know. I, I should look it up. Maybe it says somewhere. But yeah, um, I have a Kipster bag of hers, which is her smaller knitting bag. Uh -huh. And so... I grabbed it to talk about when we said we were going to talk about her stuff. It's got it. She's got fun fabrics. I picked one that's got the sugar skulls like from Day of the Dead on the outside of it. And I like that. And I have my Kipster bag here too. It's exactly the same, but mine is a batik, the wax batik. So it's all rainbow colors with shoots and flowers sort of peeking out through it. Yeah. Yeah. This one is the one that I have my knitting in. And, you know, I've been on a knitting jag. And so anytime I'm going to go to a basketball game or a meeting, something along those lines, I end up grabbing this bag and just taking it along with me. It's lined with uh, nylon on the inside. So you've got the pretty fabric on the outside, and then you've got the nylon on the inside. It's got pockets on the inside of it, so I've got places to put my needles and my pens and mm -hmm. other stuff. It's a big enough area in the bottom of it that I can shove two mostly finished mittens plus the ball of yarn for the next pair of mittens in there. And on the outside, it's got zippered pouches where I have started sort of making this into another toolkit. Mm -hmm. So in the zipper pack, pad pouch on this one since it's my knitting bag I have stitch markers for when I'm ready to start doing the thumb gusset and I have needle for when I'm ready to kitchener the top of a mitten and it's got different little keychains and spots where you can attach things I'm not sure what they call these things it's a circular yarn cutter maybe like a daisy wheel okay where you pull the yarn it's a it's in a circle and then it looks almost like a gear it's got little little cutouts in the metal um, and so if you pull the yarn through one of those cutouts, it just cuts the yarn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have that attached on the outside. And so that means anytime I grab it, I have everything I need for that project. And I, I like that. I love mine. The KIP stands for, the K-I-P stands for Knit in Public. She had requests from a knitter to make a bag that they could carry with them while they're walking to hold their small project. And I would say it's a nice medium-sized bag. I can do hats, cowls, mittens, socks in it, uh, a beginning of a sweater. But once I get 300 grams is the limit. Once a project passes the 300-gram mark, it no longer fits in the bag. It has two wonderful zipped pockets on the outside. 
I put my cell phone in my wallet in one of them and my keys in the other. And then on the inside, it has a whole bunch of pockets where I keep a uh, my travel knitting little kit, the stitch markers and the needles and all of that. I have that in a little plastic clippy box. And then I keep, there's another pocket in there that I keep scissors in and another pocket where I keep lip balm and another pocket where I keep pens and another pocket where I should keep like a notebook, but I don't. And I got mine with the walking handle strap it looks like you did too. So the wrist strap. Mm -hmm. She also, you could get it instead with a carabiner or an over-the-shoulder strap. I went to the hardware store and got carabiners separately because I use mine to clip them to the chair I'm sitting in outside at a cafe or at the dog park, wherever there is one of those metal bistro chairs. Uh -huh. I clip it to the chair so it's not on the ground to keep it safe in those public places where putting it on the ground might be problematic. And I just knit away and it is wonderful. Also from her, I have the Flatty Junior, which is just a flat drawstring bag, but it still has that polytaffeta on the inside and then a pretty cotton shell on the outside. There's no gusset at the bottom. It's just a straight up bag. Uh-huh, yeah, I see. However, waterproof, needles don't poke through it. It's a very low price point. You really get your bang for the buck with her. Yeah, That's it's her, pretty. Her. And, it's, and they're well made. One thing we didn't say about the, the Kipster bags is at the top it's got the drawstring, but then it's got, I think it's called a pop lock. So uh -huh. you can like pull it and, and secure it once it's in the drawstring and then even the top of it closes. And it yes. looks like that bag of yours has the same thing. It does. They're excellent bags and I'm very pleased with the price point and they're quite the value. I was actually surprised at the quality of it when I got it. Yeah, they're really great. You mentioned them to me. And so when mm -hmm. I was looking at bags a while back, <gasps> I've got one. And then I decided with a little bit of holiday money that I would go back and take a look at her larger one. Because the one that we've been talking about is just her normal one. And it's nine inches tall and 5.5 .5 inches wide on her website is what she says. Uh huh. Her larger one is... All of the things we just talked about, but it's 12 inches tall and seven and a half inches wide, she says on the website. If this is big enough, I shoved a whole sweater in here before I came, and then I thought I just wasn't quite sure once I started knitting a, a sweater's worth of yarn. Uh-huh, right. I'm not sure if the part that I was knitting would poke out, poke out the top, because I like sweaters that take maybe... I don't know. For a me size sweater, I will use a little bit of positive ease, maybe 1,400 yards mm -hmm. of yarn. And so it held that much yarn. Mm -hmm. um, and I still had a little bit of room at the top, but I just wasn't sure if it was the right size. So instead, I've switched it over and I put the hat that I showed you at the very beginning that's going to be six different hats in three different colors of browns. And like I have all of that shoved in this bag. It's definitely going to hold three-fourths of a sweater, possibly a whole sweater. But I don't like crushing my sweaters at the end. I'm so, afraid I'm going to pop a needle or something yeah, if you uh -huh. smush it too much. So. But that is an excellent size, much bigger. Because when I talked about the Kipster, the smaller size that I have, and that holds 300 grams, that is pretty smushed in there. That one definitely will easily hold 400, easily with room to spread out. That's a nice size, though. It's big. I, didn't know she made those. And I was yeah. just on her website last night to get the hyperlinks for what I was talking about. What does she call them? What's uh, she hiding them under? It's just, it's also, it's Kipster. It's just a large Kipster. Okay. And maybe they're new. I don't know for sure. Maybe I just didn't click through enough things. I mean, I did click on five different things. But I did I notice when know. I was looking around, um, this is kind of cool. Her blog had a short thing. One of her pouches was in a gear guide from a recent knit scene. So she's uh -huh. getting a little bit of attention. And I thought that was great. Good for her. Good. I did notice that she has messenger bags and tote bags that also looked like they had potential for knitting bags. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of her stuff looks like it could be used for knitting for sure. That was me moving my drawstring, sorry. Okay, so now what? Podcast announcements. We have our show notes at jiminetpodcast.com, Jiminet Podcast Board on Ravelry, and Jiminet Podcast on Instagram. We have a Ravelry thread that's open. 
about 20 hats in 2020. And if you knit a hat and post it, the tag is GP20hats2020. And on Instagram, we love to see your hats, and that is hashtag GP20hats2020 and hashtag GP20 in 2020 if you are making something beyond hats. I need to go hashtag my hats because we talked about them earlier and I can count them. I can't believe you have nine to my half of a hat. <laughs> I don't think I do. I just have seven. Seven. Okay. <laughs> it feels like nine. That was a humongous stack. All right. At the table. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and get started on that? Okay. Since the last time we recorded, we had one big snowstorm and we've only had one. But it was big enough that it was easy to go outside and scoop up enough snow to make snow ice cream. And that's always been kind of a tradition in our household when there's enough snow that you can go get some that is pristine, not at all yellow or brown or, you know. And you got to really emphasize those points when you're talking to small boys. Now that they're teenagers, they know it's fun. It's only like five ingredients. We only make it when we get a really big snowstorm. And so we did that. And I... Uh, wrote a blog post about it. I'll make sure to put a link in the blog note in the show notes for it. Mm -hmm. And it's got our recipe. It's really simple. It's easy to do. Well, you had mentioned the snow ice cream in advance, which reminded me of my favorite place to go, which is Betty Ray's ice cream. She has two locations now, one in Waldo and one in River Market. Both of those are in Kansas City. It's, it's delicious is what it is. Their waffle cones, along with their sauces, are made from scratch in-house. Mm -hmm. And my favorite ice cream flavor to get there, and they make all the ice cream too. I felt like that didn't need to be said, and then I realized I'd probably better say that. So they make their own ice cream. My favorite is the goat cheese, apricots, and candied walnuts flavored ice cream. Now, the my one that I keep on ordering, but I don't like, so I'm going to talk about it now so I don't forget and don't order it. And it's a summer flavor, so it's not on their menu right now, so I maybe have the name incorrect because I had to go by memory, but it's the Serrano Pepper and Chocolate Ice Cream. And I keep on ordering that because I love a spicy chocolate. However, this ice cream, the peppers are very green tasting rather than spicy tasting. It tastes like bell peppers and grass with a little bit of heat mixed with the chocolate. And it's not that it's bad, but it's I'm expecting like chocolate with a hint of uh, cayenne. Uh -huh. And this is not what you get when you get that. But their honey lavender is good. Their goat cheese, apricots, and candied walnuts. Uh, my whole family agrees that's probably the best of what we've tried. Mm -hmm. um, and beyond that, she serves boozy shakes, which is the two shots of alcohol blended with ice cream. Wow. Or the boozy floats, which could be a stout or a root beer and vodka or a rum and coke and then your choice of it comes with vanilla ice cream but you can swap out the vanilla ice cream for anything you want that's a lot of fun it is it's whenever i go on a date uh, that is where i recommend that we go mm -hmm. yeah and then i take my family too it's too bad that it's not someplace i feel comfortable going by myself i feel like it's just weird mm -hmm. or else i would be there all the time <laughs> <laughs> is that the one that's really close to the bike trail? I don't it's think so. It's been years so. and years since we lived in Kansas City, but She's there used to be a spot. Oh. Yeah. There and used to be a spot we could ride our bikes to, and so we said if we rode the six miles to the ice cream shop, then we could eat the ice cream and ride the six miles back, and it didn't count. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, no. And I say she. I think uh, Betty Ray's is actually like the name of their grandma that they are. Uh, so it's a them. It's a young couple, newly married, mm -hmm. and they opened the shop. And they just recently, they opened the shop in Waldo, and they just recently expanded into City Market. And I've not been to the City Market location yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. All right. On the horizon. So I'll go ahead and go first. First up is Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, March 20th through March 22nd. The reason I bring it up is because one of the actors they bring in is Christopher Eccleston, who is my doctor on the Doctor Who series. Uh -huh. I really enjoyed what he did with the Doctor. 
I'm not sure if I'm going to go or not. I, I find it interesting to go in and like breathe the same air as the actors, but I'm not all that interested in autographs or uh, standing in line to get my picture taken with them because that just weirds me out. Because for me, the actors represent the character they're playing. Mm-hmm. I am much more interested in talking to the writers. The writers that are coming in, I didn't recognize any of them. But there are two illustrators that I know of. One is Afu Richardson, and she is an, an, an illustrator best known for her work on Black Panther of mm. Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And then also Megan Levins, and she worked on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic books for Dark Horse Comics. And then they also have a day of podcasting oh, panels. Uh-huh. So I might go for the podcasting panels. I just haven't figured out if they are going to fit into my schedule or not. But I thought it was uh, newsworthy. And then after that is Ply Away, April 14th through 18th at the Weston at Crown Center, Kansas City, Missouri. And I'll let you go and then I'll finish up. Okay. Knitting in the Heartland is coming up, K-I-T-H, and that's April 17th through the 19th of 2020. It's in the Overland Park area. I've lost track of what the name of the hotel is that they hold it in, but Mm -hmm. it was nice last year. The last time I went, they do it every other year. And so I went two years ago and I'm planning to go again this time. And I'm excited about the instructors that they have and the classes that I've gotten into. And then I just realized that I can actually could make the dates for the Estes Park in Estes Park, Colorado. That's June 11th through the 14th of 2020. I don't think I'll actually go, but I am dreaming about it a little bit because I could make it a quick road trip and it's summer in Colorado, so I could stay in a tent and make it low cost. And it's right after we're back from a family trip to go look at universities for the older boy. So I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still dreaming about it and I will make sure and put the link in. And that actually brings up a good point because I was thinking about it. I'm able to go to two fiber events a year tops. And once the spring is over, then it's going to be a bit of a desert until I go to one again. So we should just be talking about everything we find out about, even if we're not going to it. So that is perfect. And I also think going to Estes Park would be awesome. Yeah, I think even the campgrounds fill up. So if I seriously want to go, mm-hmm. I need to start looking at reservations now because, you know, a cabin, if it's just me, is going to be more than I want to spend to keep it low cost. And But I'm thinking about it. Well, I hope you get to go. Next up for me is Cause. They're joined forces with the Missouri Fiber Artists for 2020. And that means that this year it is a big year. I've looked at the website and they're bringing in some pretty big name speakers. And it is, it's May 1st through the 3rd, except for they have pre-conference workshops that begin on April 30th. It is going to be right outside of Kansas City in Missouri in Excelsior Springs. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think so. It's in Excelsior Springs. That That's right after Plyway, April 30th. I don't think I can take any of those classes, but I'm definitely going to go there and take a look at the uh, fiber art show that they have and maybe do a little shopping on the conference floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Okay, next up is the local trivia. Okay, so we were talking about ice cream, and I know that the Google icon for the state of Missouri that pops up, you know, you drive into the state and Google says, welcome to Missouri, or welcome to Kansas, welcome to Colorado. The icon that picks up, that pops up for Missouri is somebody holding an ice cream cone. And I thought, I don't know why that is. So I I went and looked it up. It turns out that the ice cream cone first became popular in 1904 at the World's Fair in St. Louis, Missouri. Like somebody else in New York the year before got a patent for it, Uh but it wasn't popular until 1904 in St. Louis at at the World's Fair. And I guess the vendor that was selling ice cream ran out of cups for their Mm -hmm. ice cream, and the guy next door rolled one of his waffles into a cone and said, hey, use this. And so these two vendors worked together to start the waffle cone. Uh huh. So I thought that was interesting. If you actually look into that, that's the official, that's like the story, right? Right. But if you actually look further into it, that's only one of the theories. Like there's also, you know, 
maybe there were other names and stories and there's a different person that came up with an article where there's seven different possible theories, but I found out at least why that's what pops up when you drive into Missouri. While I was doing that, I was also looking at other little bits about St. Louis. Normally when they do a World's Fair, they put up these big elaborate constructions and then they tear them back down. Like they don't necessarily leave them there. Mm -hmm. But there are still a few buildings in the St. Louis area that you can go visit from the World's Fair. One of them is the Palace of Fine Arts. That's what it was for the fair, and it's now the Arts Museum in St. Louis. Okay. Another one is there's a Brookings Hall at a university that was the fair administration building, and this is the coolest one. The Smithsonian built a flight cage for the fair, so like they had birds and stuff flying around inside of it. It's a huge walkthrough like showcase of steel that's now the aviary at the St. Louis Zoo, hmm. which is pretty cool. That's super cool. Yeah. That's it. That's my local fact. Okay, that's some excellent trivia. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.